the Bible says in faith, through faith, all this stuff it just kind of accumulates and we, we build on it, we grow in it, we develop. And, and I was just thinking about even some of the, uh, if I want to put it that way, some of the more simpler uh, teaching or even the elementary principles that are still, even today, they're neglected. We overlook them and we forget about them and we think we don't pay attention enough. But And I was, I was going over some notes today and I thought, wow, how is it that we allow ourselves to get to that point where sometimes we forget? And, uh, and it just took me back, and uh, I was just rejoicing. Thankful, thankful, because the Lord allowed all of that. Uh, you know, the Bible says about doctrine, that he gives us the word. All the scripture is given by inspiration of God for, for instruction and in righteousness, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for rebuke. So it, 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 in, it covers a lot of a lot of things as far as our our uh, our, our growth and our maturity. And I'm glad it does. I'm just to understand. And uh, of course, been been really praying, praying for the Lord just to help me to to be able to somehow allow. It's one thing to be able to minister God's word and to teach and to share, to instruct the people of God, <coughs> but for it to be meted out and for people to receive it, and then from there on it, it should somehow bring forth some fruit and, and, and we can all function. You can function as a child of God and we can all function together. That's basically the bottom line of all of this. Putting it all together, and of course, we have a lot of able people in this congregation. I'm, I'm not the only one. Uh, there's others that I believe God is using. Others that have probably uh, the same knowledge, the same wisdom. If we have the same Holy Ghost, uh, we can we can uh, be used, and we can be exercised in these, and even whatever gifts that God has. Uh, imparted unto us. And that's what I've been praying for. It's kind of something uh, the other night before service, I came in here a little early and I was praying and, and uh, I really felt like uh, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord don't let us, don't allow us to get to that point where we get complacent and we become like indifferent to the Spirit. I said let, let the Spirit move and always let us be uh, sensitive and influenced by your spirit so that the gifts can operate in you. and guess what happened that night uh, I believe I call it, I would call it a prophetical word but even so maybe a word of knowledge it kind of overlaps a little bit but but God was letting us know his will <clears throat> if I could ever get some of you to the point of not looking at me Amen. because I know some of you feel that way uh, I'm a human being just like everybody else. Paul is a human being just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. any, any minister of the gospel, there's been so many. Uh, we're flesh too. But guess what? Here's the thing. Let's make the distinction. Mm -hmm. Let's make the signification of who we are. 
I'm a vessel, you're a vessel. That's right. God can use me, God can use you. So we we need to quit looking at each other in the in the with with carnal intellect and carnal understanding and carnal feeling. I pray for the day that some of you would just allow whatever God has given you, because I know that there's been seed that has been planted that that seed will grow, and once that happens, then we can we can help them along. Some of us elder saints, we can help them along. <coughs> have them develop into the people that God uh, wants them to be. So, I, 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 of course, I've been praying about that. I've been talking to the Lord about that. And, uh, so, if you could get past uh, the, uh, how could I say, that barrier. If you get can get past that and, and believe what God is able to do. And, 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 and let me tell you something, if we do, if we allow the Lord to have liberty like that, no telling what God can do in us, in this place, and what we can see and experience. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. But all things aside, all that aside, uh, I don't want to stray from what I'm trying to uh, share with you as far as the tabernacle of David. There's so many things about this itself. It's, <clears throat> it's something. Amen. I was, I was sharing with... Uh, the brethren the other night about some of the things that you know I've been I've been trying to keep my ear open and kind of keep watching some of the things that are happening in Israel and what's going on with the, the people of Israel and the controversy there and a lot of these things a lot of people saying stuff about the Temple Mount and all this and there's all kinds of you know stuff going on and, and uh, if I want to say it there are people trying to prove their point trying to prove their point. And, of course, it, it's all for the reason, for the purpose of trying to understand God's will. Uh, there's one thing I know, there's one thing I understand. I've been taught this. I've been taught this by, uh, of course, Brother Javier. I've been taught it by Brother Gerritsen. That, amen, uh, when the Spirit speaks to us, when, when the Spirit comes to us, and speaks to us, he will always bear witness. Not just by what we hear or feel or the unction that we receive of him, but along with that, he'll bear witness with his word. Of course, it's in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, he said that if they don't speak according to the law and to the testimony, it's because there's no light in them. So we understand that if we don't if, if it's not contained in the scripture, if it's not there, if it's not, uh, of course, wisdom and knowledge are are, are, are hidden. They're, they're concealed, but the Holy Ghost will reveal it. And so when it does, it brings that understanding. You see it. And, and but, but the thing about it, the word will always bear witness. The word will always bear witness. And, and that's how we can tell. That's all we know. To try the spirits to see whether they be of God or not. Because some people, what they say sounds good. When I hear people talk about God, and people have a lot to say about Him, but you know how I compare when I hear people talk about God, I listen to what they say. 
and I listen to the word they speak. And, and I'm not, you know, I don't know everything. I'm not a judge. But you know what tells me? He said the same anointing that taught you will help you to understand the things you need to understand that no man will teach you. In other words, somebody else is trying to uh, give you something that's not doctrine you don't know. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I know. And I, and I was listening to all this <coughs> stuff going back and forth and argumentation, arguments and, and, and you know, people refuting one another and this and that, this and that. But the bottom line, when it comes time, I believe this, when it comes time, God will let it be. And he'll give us understanding. And so that's the beautiful thing about all this, why we're here. Uh, we should never get tired of teaching. And we should never get tired of being taught. Uh, I'm reminded of a, a situation in the book of Acts where Paul ministered for, the Bible says, while in, into the night. Doesn't say how long. Obviously, he was there for quite a few hours. But where he was at and where he was ministering, he had everybody's attention except one young man that fell out the window. And of course they went down and prayed for him and revived him. But <clears throat> obviously they were there to hear because they were given the opportunity to hear. Not many times were people blessed to hear uh, the Apostle Paul speak. Wouldn't it be amazing if, if he walked in here today? Everybody would fight. If you knew it was him, because history has always tried to sketch a picture of him and, and describe, you know, what he looked like and everything. But you know, if we knew what he, he looked like exactly, even the Lord Jesus, even if we knew what he looked like, I think we would def- we definitely be fighting for a seat just to hear them yeah. speak the word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and the same spirit is here. Yeah. Same spirit is in this place. The, the one thing I like about this teaching is this. And I believe this. The Lord somehow put this in his word, the understanding of it, because uh, to my knowledge, uh, even today, uh, there's not really a lot of uh, ministers that really have understanding of David's tabernacle. Even when you question them about it, they'll say, uh, it's almost like you can see the mind searching. And they don't have the understanding of it. There's a reason why it's in the scripture. It's not, it's not out there in the forefront, but it's hidden. It, it's subtly. But, of course, the New Testament, the New Testament church is is typified through the tabernacle of David. Everything that was done. So that's why it's important for us. Here's the thing. God wants us to become more skillful. If I want to use it in this sense, God wants us to become professionals. He wants us to grow. He wants us to learn. He wants us to get it down to where it will become a part of us to where we will not make mistakes. And the mistakes we made 
make will be few and far in between. Why? Because we we have perfected what he has been instructing us to do. I believe a person can come to that point in their faith where they can become that skillful, have that kind of ability. And, and today we, we hear with the word professional. Professional musician, professional athletes in sports, basketball, football, baseball, hockey, you name it. They, they're professionals. Why? They become experts at what they're doing. Do you think we can become experts at worshiping God? Yes. Uh, I think we can. I think we can become experts at worshiping God. Once we get the principle down, once we uh, put it to, to use in our life, we can become expert here. You're, you, become, you can become a professional, if I want to use it in that sense, in worshiping God and living for God. Amen. These things will be just like second nature to you. Hallelujah. Because God doesn't want us making mistakes anymore. So that's why it's important for us to know. So one more time, I'm, I'm, of course we're going to go on to other things, but I just want to make some, some more comparisons and then we're done with this part of it. But The tabernacle of Moses pointed to Mount Sinai. Well, let's go there in Arabia. Let's go to Galatians chapter 4 in the New Testament. <clears throat> Hallelujah. It says, in verse number 22, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmate and the other by a free woman. Does anybody remember who those, who those two people were? Two sons, the two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. Of course, Sarah and who? Hagar. So he's using this as an, uh, however you pronounce it, allegory or allegory or alligator. <laughs> but for it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was born was by promise. Okay. Can anybody give me some insight about what that means? One was a slave, or in a sense, that one was a slave and the other one was born not, not, not serving? Huh? Hey, so one, one was believing God, the other one was leading them to their own understanding. Okay. One was believing God, the promise. The other one was leading well, of course, look at it this way. Whose suggestion was it for Abraham to go to Hagar? Sarah. So, so why do you think Sarah did that? And one of the reasons why is obviously because she was past her childbearing years. Okay, so she kind of lost her faith. But see, so she thought 
if, if Abraham would go into my concubine, then this could happen. But guess what? That was the flesh. That wasn't the promise. That was the flesh. And so he says that which things are an allegory, for these are the two covenants. The one from, from the Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. The, the Israel that then was. The fleshly descendants of Abraham. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry, thou that travailest not, for the desolate hath many more children than she which hath in husband. So we see, we see this comparison was made, and, and he goes on, Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Man, do the Palestinians need to read that portion of the scripture? God never passed that inheritance on to him, to Ishmael, he passed it on to Isaac. But here we see the comparison. The tabernacle of Moses pointed to Mount Sinai in Arabia typifies earthly Jerusalem, which is in bondage with her children. So we see that uh, <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12. Hallelujah. Right on verse number 18, Hebrews chapter 12, it says, For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and, and tempest. <clears throat> He's speaking about Sinai and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice they heard, entreated that the words should not be spoken to them any more, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all and to the spirits of just men made perfect. So we can see the comparison. We can see the comparison between the two. Amen. We have come to, we have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Here's the thing about, here's the thing about this now. Here's the thing. Uh, there's a connection that is made as a result of what happened. Of course, now we know Jesus is in heaven as our high priest, don't we? 
So the connection has been made. The connection has been made. That's why this is referred to Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. That's why we can worship in, in a sense the way we worship because we're this is all connected together. We're all connected together now because of this. So we have the heavenly, we can bring the heavenly down here where we are. That's why when we think about what Jesus said, let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. It's beautiful, isn't it? So we can experience that. Okay, <clears throat> the tabernacle of David pointed to Mount Zion. That, that which is heavenly Jerusalem, which is free and the mother of all believers. We just read that in uh, uh, Galatians chapter 4. And it is the mother of all believers. It's free and the mother of all believers. Go with me to... Uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And you'll see there in Hebrews chapter 11 in verse number uh, 10. It says, For he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age, and because she judged him faithful who had promised. <clears throat> Therefore sprang up there even one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable, and in all this, but it says, but now in verse number 16, they desire a better country that is an heavenly, where God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Hallelujah. And then you go over to uh, Hebrews 13. Verse number 12, it says, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth, <clears throat> therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing the, his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. It's kind of fitting that he says that by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. So we see that in the tabernacle of David pointed to Mount Zion that which is heavenly Jerusalem which is free in the mother of us all. The tabernacle of Moses The ministry was after the law and order of Moses. The old, the old covenant, the old covenant uh, uh, mediator. Because every time there is a a statement made about Moses or the law, who do they connect it to? Does anybody know? That was connected to Moses, don't it? That was connected to Moses. So we know that he was basically, because he was uh, one of the main uh, characters as far as the presenting of the law and the commandments on Mount Sinai, he was 
basically in that place of a mediator. So now you can see how that how that is. You can look at that from, from that point of view. The tabernacle David, his ministry was after his ministry was after the law in order of David, who was the type of the New Testament mediator, the greater son of David, who was Jesus Christ. So we see that if you go into the book of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 22, it says, uh, of course, you are coming to Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. And look what verse 24 says, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. So we see that... Uh, you can see the comparisons here. Uh, the tabernacle of Moses had Moses as prophet. Okay? Is everybody listening? Mm -hmm. Has Moses as prophet and priest. As its builder and founder. Uh, go over to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3 and verses, uh, where am I? 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much as he who hath built the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were <clears throat> to be spoken So we see, of course, Moses was a prophet and a priest. How many of you believe Moses was a prophet? Why do you believe he was a prophet? His relationship with God? It's true. His relationship with God, obviously he was a prophet. He was a priest. Remember those two things. He was a prophet. He was a priest. Beautiful. But if you go over into the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18, you'll see what the Lord says here. <clears throat> Excuse me, man. And verse number 15, the Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren. Now look what this is Moses speaking. Look what he says. Like unto me. Like unto me, unto him ye shall hear again. 
according to all that thou, thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see his great fire anymore, that I die not. Of course, this is Moses speaking, so we see that he was telling the people of Israel that one day God's going to raise up a prophet like him. And him you need to hear. So we see that he was a prophet. He was a priest. That is interesting. An overlapping of ministries, an overlapping of offices. And we still see that today. We still see that today. Hallelujah. So, so we see that, okay, the tabernacle of Moses. Moses as prophet and priest, as its builder and founder. The tabernacle of David had David as prophet. Now listen to this. Had David as prophet priest and king as its builder and founder. So here we're not just talking about him being a prophet because we know he was a prophet, wasn't he? He was a prophet and of course even though the tribe of Levi wasn't really uh, as far as used in the ministry back then, of course, the Lord obviously was, was going to prepare that and, and, and making a way. Here was David bringing back the ark of God and having on a, a linen ephod which only priests wore. Leading the procession. Bringing the ark of God back. So in other words, he wasn't just uh, <clears throat> fulfilling his role as the king. He was fulfilling his role as a priest, a priest, and of course, he was a prophet. So we see this. Uh, First Chronicles. Uh, let's go to. Well, let's go to Second Samuel chapter six. Second uh, Samuel chapter six, and uh, right on verse number nineteen. Second Samuel chapter six. <clears throat> Verse number 19, right around that area. And, well, no, 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 back up to verse number 12. It was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obedim, and all that pertaineth unto him, because of the ark of, the, of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obedim, into the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they bear the ark of the Lord, when they, when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen, oxen and fattens. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was girded with a linen ephod. And so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she was despised in their heart, in her heart. And he brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in his place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. 
And as soon as David had made an end of offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, and he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts, and he dealt among all the people, every, even among the whole multitude of Israel, as well as to the women as men, to everyone a cake of bread and a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. So all the people departed from everyone to his house. So we see, we see here very, very uh, openly what David did. And the Bible says he offered sacrifices. He brought in the Ark of the Covenant and he offered sacrifices. <clears throat> Burnt offerings and peace, peace offerings before the Lord. Amen. From this moment on, the Ark of the Covenant never went back to where it was before. From this moment on, it remained in the tabernacle of David until it was moved to the temple of Solomon. So from this moment on, it never occupied. Remember, one of the last places it was before it went into captivity was Shiloh, and then after that, Gibeon. But when they brought it back in captivity, they went back to those two places. It was taken to the tabernacle of David. There it remained until it was moved to the temple of Solomon. So we see that uh, the tabernacle of Moses had no ministry of singers, musical instruments, songs, or songs of praise within its walls. That was the tabernacle of Moses. Didn't have that. Didn't have no singers, no ministry of singers, musical instruments, songs or songs of praise within its walls. All was a silent order and old form of worship. The tabernacle of David had the ministry of singers, musical instruments, songs, hymns and spiritual songs in its tent. There was a new order and continual sound of worship. Wow. A new order and continual sound of worship. Thank you, Jesus. You think, if you think about that, and, and of course what, what existed there and and what was there in the tabernacle of David. Um, the courses that he set up. Of course, remember, coming out of, here's something interesting. Uh, I'll give you a little homework to do, okay? The, the Levitical priesthood uh, represented the ministry that God called out of the 12th tribes of Israel. Okay? Their purpose was to take care of the tabernacle, all the things that pertain to it, all the things that were connected to it, the, the ceremony, everything involved in it, they were all there. They, they, they were engaged in their ministry 12 months through the year. 12 months. Okay? 12 courses. 
So the priests had to minister. There were different ones that were there. They ministered 12, 12 courses. Everybody remember that? Well, you get to the you get to the tabernacle of David, and of course David receives instruction by the Lord. This is all given to him by revelation. So he sets up the tabernacle. The the, the tabernacle, if we want to say it in this sense, was a prototype of what was going to happen in the temple. Okay, and so here was a new order, though. Of course, we know that now a new order of worship. Now the ministry of song, praise. And here's the thing, continual praise. Because they did worship God. What is the Bible? You we'll read that here. They worship God day and night before the altar. Okay? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Lord, the Lord restructured the ministry. Restructured the ministry. Now it wasn't just the 12 monthly courses of the Levitical priesthood anymore, guess what? It was 24 courses. So it was double that what it was in the tabernacle of Moses. Read that for yourself. Read it for yourself. In the first or second book of Chronicles, um, this is one of the first, first book of Chronicles, chapter 20, 26 through 25 through 29. Read that for yourself. Read everything in there that the Lord gave to David and how he set it up. So now it doubled. Now the, the courses of the ministry doubled. Now, now listen to this. Now when, when you count the activity and, and the, the attendance of the ministry, the 24 courses, and the number of priests that were involved in these 24 courses, and you take that, and of course there were so many that were involved because they all were situated in their courses. They had all had to go back and forth from Jerusalem, wherever they were in the uh, in their out, their, uh, their communities outside of Jerusalem. So they so they traveled. They served their courses. They went back. But everybody that was there engaged in the worship of the Tabernacle of David. The twenty-four courses. The doubling. The doubling of the ministry. Everybody involved. Guess guess how many people were a part of that of that ministry. Thousands. Woo! You're pretty good. Yeah. Thousands. 144,000. Now, can you remember, can you go remember in the book of, can you remember in the book of Revelation where it talks about what? The 24 elders bowing down throwing the crowns and worshiping God. Mm -hmm. And guess what the number of them that are there worshiping the Lamb? 144,000. <laughs> That's why I say God, He does things. He does things. He's specific. He's precise. He does things in a manner that we can, you know, uh, it's pretty amazing. Of course, that's the type of the New Testament church. So, so we see that, okay? Okay, so the tabernacle of David had the ministry of singers, musical instruments, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs in its tent. There was a new order of continual, a new order and continual sound of worship. Of course, uh, <coughs> if we read uh, 
Psalms 134, just, uh, oh Lord, help us. Psalms 134. says, Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord, the Lord that made heaven and earth. Bless thee out of Zion. So we see here, that was the ministry, of course, that they incorporated Praising the Lord. You go into Colossians chapter 3, verse number 16. I think we read that before, but I don't mind reading it again. Just for your sake. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse number 16. It says that, uh, it says, uh, <clears throat> Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, in spiritual songs, make singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Hallelujah. Here's something that's pretty that's pretty interesting. Um, the word song in the Greek. Psalms, the definition of that word song is a song accompanied by a musical instrument. That's a song. A song accompanied by a musical instrument. That's what uh, makes it a song. They call David the sweet psalmist of Israel. <clears throat> Not just because he sang, but because he played. He played the harp. So we see that. So a song was a song that was accompanied by uh, instrumentation. And it's a song, it's a song, a song of praise and worship. A praise and worship. A hymn, on the other hand, the Greek word humeo means it is a prayer song. A prayer song. That's what a hymn is. A spiritual song, a prayer song. What's that? Can you spell that? Humeo? H U M N E O. Thank you. A spiritual song, uh, the Greek odes, O D E S. Odes means a spiritual song quickened by the Holy Spirit. So, a song, of course, you know, we get. You know, there's all kinds of songs that are written in the world. Some of them are just people getting some kind of inspiration or hearing the melody and coming across with some words and they write it down. But here's the difference between that kind of song. This kind of song is quickened by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Comes to your mind and you get it and you write it down. That is a spiritual 
song. Okay? Now, <clears throat> so when, when we talk about gospel music, and we, we, you know, because all these, all these songs are, are part of it, gospel music is part of it, a gospel song, literally, uh, a definition of a gospel song is a testimony song set to music. So we hear all kinds of forms of gospel songs, and they're set to music. So we hear that people experiencing or even testifying about, you know, you just sing from a book that has a lot of gospel songs in it. People that were obviously experienced something. So, but here's the thing. Uh, I think, I think we, we get to the point where we get used to a certain structure. And, and of course, I'm glad that people took it upon themselves to, to write music and put it in the books so we could worship God. Thank God for our songbooks. We refer to them every now and then. Uh, we have, uh, we have uh, this little book is the songbook. Uh, Brother Javier blessed us with the first time he came. These are the, the, the courses we used to sing in the Liberty Apostolic Tabernacle in Arvada, Colorado. So there's a lot of little short courses, little moving courses in here that kind of get you worshiping God. And I, I can remember I, going through this. I could, there's a whole bunch of them I remember from way back then. I remember. And I remember. So we have these kinds of songs, and of course we have all our new material, the new songs that we hear that in contemporary Christian worship. All these new songs. Of course, some of them are really good. Some of them you can feel the spirit. Some of them you can't. And, and, and that, you know, see, that's that's kind of, I guess we, we come to the point where we have to basically, hey, hey, let, let me share something with you. And anybody that is up here on this platform, whether you're a musician or you're a singer, in order for you to be used of God, in order for you to for the Spirit to move upon you and anoint you. That if you're not in here at the beginning of prayer, you're not going to be up here ministering in music. If you're even five minutes late, I don't think you should be up here. You know why? Because if we're required to be here on time, I believe that's what God wills us to be here on time. To worship Him, to prepare ourselves. Then we need to be here. We need to be here. And if you're going to be used of God, you need to be in the state of mind and spirit where you can be sensitive to the spirit, where God can anoint you. I know that's very difficult to do when you come in here late and you have a lot on your mind and you're trying to get your mind on God. It's hard to do. Your music is not going to be anointed. Uh, I'll get into it a little bit later on as we go on. But all the musicians and singers and praisers that stood before the altar in the temple and in the tabernacle, the Bible says, they were in good standing with God. In other words, they 
were obedient to his word and to his will. So anybody that has to do with anything up here needs to be in good standing with God. If you're not, guess what? You're just going to hinder the move of God. Hallelujah. That's why I said, I think we could come to a point where we can perfect this. Or we can come to the point where we can become more able and, and acquire the skill that we need to. The Bible says, play skillfully before the Lord. And if we play skillfully, I believe we need to sing skillfully. Amen. See, that's the kinds of things that we have to be aware of. We, we have to be aware of that. Otherwise, if we can't, sounds tough but that's not really tough okay uh, I got a few more minutes is that fine we're past our, our time but I just want to get this this portion of this okay so the Bible says the scripture says in Psalms 96 1 when we're talking about all the different types of music we're talking about the, the song we're talking about the hymn we're talking about the spiritual song we're even talking about the gospel songs, okay? The Bible says, here, here's the thing. In, in, in Psalms 91, 6, there, it says, the, the portion of the scripture says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord a new song. That was the point I was going to make about our song, which is good news. Go back to an old song every now and then, but you know what? I think there's times that we need to have a new song. I think we need to sing a new song. Hallelujah. And then in Psalm 77, 6, I call to remembrance my song. My song. How many of you have a song? Huh? I have a song. I have several songs. Songs that help me to connect to what God has done in my life, even going way back then. I can remember songs in church back then that, man, after I got the Holy Ghost, it just seemed like that song just, ah. Couldn't get through the day unless I heard that song or unless I sang that song. I have a song. Okay. And in Psalms 43, he hath put a new song in my mouth. Those of you that are composers, those of you that are songwriters, he had put a new song in my mouth. Psalms 42, 8. His song shall be with me. His song shall be with me. I often wondered, reading in, in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, I often wondered about Paul and Silas. They were, they were in the inner, the, the inner prison there, 
And at midnight, the Bible says they began to sing praises. I wonder what it was they were singing. Uh, 42, Psalm 48? Psalms 40, verse number 3. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. uh, praise God. I hope I didn't confuse anybody. Well, that's why some of you had that puzzle. But, uh, <laughs> I thought maybe all of you had a different uh, version of the Bible or something. <laughs> Yeah, verse 42, verse number 8 was the last one. Psalm 42. And, and I, I, I think about what, what they were singing. What, what song was it that they, they were worshiping God and all of a sudden it comes that earthquake and boom. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Psalms 28, 7. Psalm 28. I'm not, I'm not reading the whole scripture verse. I'm just reading the parts that I uh, that I uh, I want you to I want you to, to hear Psalms twenty eight seven. It says, uh, "And with my song will I praise Him." Of course, the whole scripture verse: "Lord is my strength and my shield; my heart trusted in Him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song." Will I praise him? Ooh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's something, something for us to understand and come to that place of what it is about our worship. We could, we could, we could come to a place where we can just come into God's perfect will and even people that come in here that are not saved, not filled with the Holy Ghost when they come in here and all of a sudden <clears throat> when we enter into that place of worship where the Spirit of God will move in such a way that they will be moved they will feel His presence they will be drawn to repentance that's how uh, that's how productive our worship should be. Hallelujah. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming. Uh, remember the Taco Sale Friday? Uh, the, is the list posted? It's on Facebook. <clears throat> it's on Facebook, so check the, the whatever items and anybody that wants to donate your time by helping let us know. Be a blessing. So thank you very much. Y'all dismiss week one other in Jesus.